don't get it. Get It, the podcast about contemporary dance and other dance in, in Edmonton, Alberta. Yes, I'm Fonda. I'm Paul. And we're going to talk about some dance that's coming about, up. Yeah, some dance that's that's coming up and some, some stuff on the horizon and different kinds of movement as well. Not, not what would normally fit into the narrow confines of what you think of when you think of dance, perhaps. Yeah, well, this week we have kind of a special episode. Yeah. Um, we have an interview with Firefly Theater and Circus's um, co-founders, mm-hmm. Annie Dugan and John Elliott. Yes. And they have a show, their new brand new show called Craniatrium coming up uh, starting November 20th. 26th Great. at the Arts Barns. Yes, I like to think of all of our shows as special. I just want to say that. Aww. It's a very special show, but they're all very special. That's nice, Paul. Great. I agree. I, I must agree. I think they're special, too. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So so I sat down with uh, with Annie and, and John, um, and, and we talked about about the show and about circus movement and about, about learning different types and new types of circus movement and, and other such... Uh, such bits of information that, that people may find interesting. Yeah, and before we get into the interview, yes. um, we're just going to give um, some some dance forecasts for you guys. Dance forecasts. Yeah, so in December, there's actually a whole whack load of dance stuff. And a lot of them are the Nutcracker in various yes. forms. A lot of them are the Nutcracker. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure that we're actually going to get to go see them because there's so much else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Good Women Dance Collective is presenting their um, annual self-produced uh, full-length show called Convergence. Right. Um, in Convergence this year, it's running December 5th to 7th at La Cité Francophone. Um, there are three choreographies being presented with that, one by Alida Nyquist-Schultz of The Good Women herself. There's another one by Bridget Jessum, formerly of Montreal, now of Edmonton. Oh. I think we may have converted her. Or The Good Women did, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and another piece by Richard Lee, um, who we're always excited to see because right. he's pretty cool. He's a cool good beans. man. Yes, a good man mm-hmm. with The Good Women. And um, as a special thing, I've been invited to actually host or moderate a talkback on the evening of December 6th with the Good Women after the Convergence show. So if you want to come and ask the dancers some questions or give them some comments, um, there's your chance to do it at Convergence. Great, great. And you will have questions as well. Yes, yes. I'm working on my list now. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, also, also is... Uh, there's one more thing coming up as well. Yeah, on December 9th, kind of following that Convergence weekend, uh, December 9th, which is a Monday, which is kind of a cool day for a dance show, I think. Yeah, we can not? always use more dance on Monday. Um, the Gen Mesh Dance Conspiracy is doing a show with the Experimental Improv Music Ensemble. Um, I hope I'm getting all those details right. But um, that's on Monday, December 9th at 7.30 at, uh, or at 7 o'clock, sorry, at Convocation Hall at the U of A. Great. Um, and that's a free or by donation show. So Sweet. could probably be some pretty interesting stuff happening some there. Interesting and inexpensive dance. In yeah. Um, Jen Mesh also has another cool project going on called Cavern and she's just posted a video about it because mm. I think they're going into a fundraising phase to build a cave. Um, and build so, a cave. Yes. To dance in. Yes. Uh, we're going to post the video on our Facebook page, so just go watch the video and, and see what kind of 
other dances being created in Edmonton because it's kind of a neat project. Right. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Oh, man, there's so much stuff. There's still more stuff, you guys. Great. Uh, yeah. So the next one coming up after that oh is Caged, which is presented by Mile Zero Dance. It's an Andrew Harwood piece exploring the um, his relationship with the music um, and or non-music of John Cage. Uh, I, I look forward to the 433 tribute um, of just the dancers standing there silently for four minutes. Yes. Of nothing. Perhaps. Maybe. Maybe I just ruined it without knowing it. I don't know. The thing is, you're not going to be around for any of that. It's true. I am gone in December. Oh, so. man. You're going to go watch some Nutcracker in Toronto, yeah, aren't you? Just gonna, yeah, we didn't even touch on any Nutcracker in that massive list. <laughs> and there is like four, maybe five Nutcrackers happening in Edmonton. That's okay. They get uh, enough press. <laughs> there, there is a lot. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be doing something in Toronto. Maybe dance. Maybe. Maybe. It'll, it'll be. <laughs> sure, it'll be some dance. All right. Well, uh, we're going to leave it at that and mm-hmm. let you get on with the uh, interview with yeah. uh, Firefly Theater. And why weren't you part of this interview, Fonda? Full disclosure, uh, sometimes I do some work for John and Annie in the promotions and publicity field. So Great. I'm uh, going to step this one out. Great. And uh, we'll invite John and Annie into the uh, blanket fort. And, and so it goes. I'm Annie Dugan, the artistic director of Firefly Theatre and co-founder. And director of this show. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm John Elliott. I'm a co-founder of the company, and I'm a creator of the show, and I'm playing the doctor. Ooh. Great. And this, this show is, is Craniatrium. The show is yes. Craniatrium. Could you, uh, could you tell me a little bit about the, about the show, or maybe the, the narrative aspect? Can I do it? it? Sure. Uh, the story is uh, this doctor in 1898 has developed uh, a device with a special mineral to physically enter into people's minds and, like Sigmund Freud, tighten a few screws and fix them. So <laughs> people have been coming to him with their psychological problems. But he's since... Um, He's hermited himself up into the mountains on Mount Rundle through, because of various reasons. And a woman stumbles into his life looking for him to fix her problem of crippling ennui. Mm. The great malaise. And so we've actually been describing this show as... What's that? Oh, keep going. Oh, we've been describing the show as a uh, Victorian scientific romance um, Aerial, a scientific romantic aerial musical spectacle set in an alternate universe. There you go. Great. So that's, that's sort of where the uh, the steampunk thing came into, although we can't actually afford to do like lots of gears and brass. Okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> no let, let, let's set the record straight. Whoa. When we first started talking about this show, <laughs> okay. steampunk... You're not correcting me, right? Well, I think we need to preface what okay. you just said, because uh, instead of it coming out of left field, people need to understand <laughs> okay. that... Um, we started talking about uh, the, the design theme for the show being steampunk back at a time when we were all like, what's, what's steampunk? That? Yeah. What does that look like? And since then, uh, it's gotten so popular that obviously, you know, you can buy Halloween costumes called Steampunk Man. Or, and so we kind of went away from the steampunk idea because it feels too trendy. Well, the, ste- the steampunk aesthetic, I guess, is, you know, what we like. What we took from that was uh, the Victorian setting 
and uh, sort of the the possibility that any technology is is possible given an alternate universe. For example, um, this the craniator is the device, and the device is probably run on coal and a special made up uh, mineral called mm -hmm. nemesite. So anything is possible in this alternate universe, just like you know, twenty thousand leagues under the sea, Jules Verne. That kind of thing, right? So the woman who comes to find the doctor and has the crippling ennui gets the doctor to go into her mind. Mm -hmm. So she won't tell him who she is, and the doctor makes three journeys into her mind, into the craniatrium, and through those three journeys we reveal the story. Great. Right. And so, so I guess what came first? Was it the, the story or, or, I guess, the, the more circus aspect and sort of knowing... You know, they kind of come, for the way we created it, it kind of came somewhat... Um, Together? To, yeah, somewhat at, at, at the same well, time. Um, mm -hmm. Because we sometimes we talk about what do, you, what do you want to see in the next show? So we'll all have some ideas, and we'll kind of all write down on the board one or two ideas, and then we look at things and go, well, how can we make this work? How can we have a bittersweet ending and a flying pole? <laughs> so we, we start thinking about about different elements and then we find the framework that they can fit in. Yeah. And then the story will take over and then we might lose some. Like we wanted a flying seance. For years we wanted a flying seance. Oh, it was going to be awesome. Yeah, it was. I, I, still, <laughs> I still think we should do it. It may be in, in the, another, some future well, show. Well, in another show. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. It was like a table mm -hmm. and four chairs and girls flying away cool. and a silks act coming out of the middle of the chair of the table and the whole thing rising up off the ground. But oh. that's one of the things that got cut out because when, it when was the too hard <laughs> well, well that and also it didn't fit in the story yeah mm -hmm. yeah great and and i guess so where did this particular story come from or begin maybe oh that's really uh I'll i can i try i can try sure. to i can try to say it quickly because yeah. what uh it goes back so long and okay. um one of the first the first nut of the thing was trying to do was Annie's idea looking at Grand Guignol. Annie was interested in Grand Guignol. And we all were like, oh yeah, Grand Guignol, fantastic, blood and gore. So Dave, Marissa, and I, Annie couldn't go. We went to Northern California to do a Grand Guignol workshop. We all got covered in blood. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> and ultimately came home and decided that we didn't want to do that. So, But we did like the melodrama, and we liked the structure of the, the psychological drama of Grand Guignol, which is, as I say, melodrama. And uh, the acting style was just intense. And it's very, it's inherently theatrical. <clears throat> so, so that that's what we were shooting for. Um, so then, out of that, we talked about like what Annie was saying, what we, what elements we liked about that style, what we liked, to, what story point, what feelings we wanted to have, and then uh, the story sort of developed around that. In 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 Grand Guignol, sorry, I mean, no, sorry. You often have three characters: a victim, a villain, and a hero. And you often have a a doctor or um, a figure, uh, an authoritarian type of figure. And I think we stuck kind of close to that when we developed the story mm. about the doctor and the woman. Yeah, there's themes of madness and themes of the um, of psychological turmoil and. So that probably spun us off into going into the mind mapping and 
probably somebody yeah. said mind mapping and then you know next thing you know somebody's like well there's a doctor and he's actually he maps people's minds and and i love the idea of creating the mindscape with circus performers mm-hmm. yeah because we, we can do all kinds of fun so, cool things and that that's been the tr- the the challenge with the company is to find ways of doing uh find ways of having the circus inherent to the story and we've gone both both sides of it where we're completely expressionistic where it's completely incomprehensible Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then we've gone the other side where the circus stuff is so pedantic and literal and literal and absolutely boring so we're trying to find a a medium where the circus is exciting but the story is also exciting so and the circus propels the story forward rather than and now we're just going to sit back for five minutes and watch you know something cool yeah it's like i think what what we've i've likened it to is like doing uh doing a musical where the the song pr- propels the story for the song is part of the narrative and it it happens because in musical theory you say well you sing because there's nothing else you can do but sing so hopefully we're we're shooting for that so that we hit a point where it's so dramatic where we have to do a circus act. The only way we can express this is by going upside down and holding on by This is also partly musical. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did that element of it uh, come into play? Well, there's four people on the creative team. And one of them is Dave Clark, mm-hmm. composer, sound writer, extraordinaire. And the other um, uh, partner in the creation is Marissa Kachansky, who is a budding lyricist? Ooh. She's yeah, she's been actually been quite for quite a while writing songs, yeah. and um, she wrote some lyrics and songs for Duck Duck Bang, and this is something that's really taken off in her life, and she really is pursuing this, and so it was just a given that there were going to be songs in it, and I like to sing, so that was another reason to put it in, and um, and we have a lovely female lead. Uh, who also loves to sing so it was just it was just that's yeah and it, it's again it helps with the with the it helps with the exotic nature of the of the world that we're creating I think uh, I, I love having like I say that that need to create something magical or need to make something uh, highly visual or highly dramatic that happens and I think uh, it's difficult to get there with just text, mm-hmm. um, especially I think especially in in the world that we live in right now, um, to have people talking to each other and not just screaming at each other's faces to get intense dramatic intensity, but you express so much more with music, just like you do with movement. It's it's um, in a lot of cases with movement you don't even you may not you may not know exactly what it is. You can't put your you can't use words to say I feel this about that but you watch it and you you get excited by the movement and something happens inside you when you hear music and when you see beautiful movement right right you can't necessarily pin it down in like a narrative way you right know, this is that but but yeah. there's just something it evokes inside you that's right yeah and I mean neither of us are, are modern dancers so I don't think that's that's not partic- that's not our particular aesthetic but uh, like, but circus has elements of modern dance, doesn't it? It can, <clears throat> it can, or it doesn't doesn't need to. Circus and dance have circus and dance have more in common than circus and theater, <laughs> and even more than dance and theater, right? Because yeah. they're both physical based forms of expression. And there are dance theater companies, and yeah. 
Great. Um, I guess could you could you talk a little bit about uh, the physique of of doing a circus show and sort of like the the uh, I guess what you what you need how you need how you prepare your body for doing a show like this. You train like you train <laughs> um, consistently. You we can't we uh, our rehearsal is four weeks. Um, right now and then we go into the run so it's a six-week contract so you can't take someone who is um, new to circus or even been training for several months you can't take them and put them into this world because they will get injured right you your body has to be so conditioned to the pounding and the stretching and the straining the pulling and the lifting um, and that only happens over years of training and doing the art form. Uh, it, it is quite demanding. I constantly have to be checking in with my cast to say, can we can we do this again? Or how are your shoulders? How are your knees? How are your ankles? Like, can we run through this again? And then often I'll get here in the morning and someone will say, well, I, I have a Charlie horse that didn't go away. I'm going to be a little careful. And so then you know, okay, we're going to totally take it easy. Take your time. We need you to be well. So you really have to pace yourself um, because we're asking them to do uh, physically exhausting things all day long, so we have to we have to monitor it, and we like I say we really have to have professionals. Right, and yeah, they're sort of the opposite of me. <laughs> um, fortunately, uh, the the any circus stuff that I'm doing in the show is 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 quite limited. Um, We've, we've designed the show so that I don't have to do any, any. I don't have to do a silks act or an, or anything like that. There, are, there are mind monkeys who who get to do that. Um, the lim, little stuff that I have to do is, I can do that. But, uh, but it the demand there's physical demands, but then there's also the the emotional demands for the perform like the acrobats and what we de- what we're trying to demand of yeah. the if, of the acrobats is that yes we want you to be able to do that spinning thing that you do but I want to I want to see what it is that There's that you think about it I want to, to see what you feel about it and there, how yeah. you relate to the other people on stage and yeah we're asking <clears> them to <throat> do more than just be acrobats and we want so, them to be good actors yeah mm-hmm. yeah which I imagine is its own sort of struggle and you know to to not only be doing this physically taxing thing but as you said to be sort of emoting and being vulnerable and opening up uh, yeah well hopefully you know and I think that's that's the goal yeah well it, it is um, because it's just like it's hard to get an actor to um, climb something high and dangly and, and, and act while doing that is it's hard to take a, a circus performer who's so used to being focused and, and, and just thinking about their technique and to get them to break through that wall and be expressive I wonder if it's, I wonder at some point, you know, it's like uh, when, it's like, a, I don't know, likened to it like an actor when you've learned your lines, you you know the bit, you know the thing, and then at some point you have to let it fly. And what I mean by that is that you have to forget that you have to think about the lines or you have, you forget about, 
you know, that you have yeah. to think about this and that. I have and a you theory just, about that. And you that. do it. You know? I got a theory because, well, I've kind of been doing it for the last, I don't know how many years. You have, when you're, when you're doing circus and theater, you have two parts of your brain. You have your technical brain. That has to be going all the time. You're constantly checking in. Am I doing this right? Is everything safe? Am I good? Am I doing the right rap? But then that fades to the background, even though it's still there. And then your actor brain is in front, so you can perform, so you can emote, so you can be present in the room. But the technical brain is always there behind it. Well, it's the same same thing. Like so many shows that I've done, you have to hit, you have to hit marks, or you're going to get hit by a piece of scenery, or you're going <laughs> to, you know, or if you get in somebody's way somebody's going to do a kick and smash you in the face with it so there's a there's a it's that's the that's the world of performing live is that you you're always thinking and reevaluating. but at some point the joy of it the real joy of of being a performer to me is is knowing all that stuff and and just you're right there in the moment you're just thinking so you're reacting totally honestly with what's happening in front of you that's the real that's the real play of it i think when you get past the point of like, okay, could you move two inches to your right? To, okay, there. Okay, hit that spot. <laughs> like, but do it at a full gallop. Right, right. <laughs> when you're a horse. <laughs> right. Um, such are the demands of, of the acting world. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, I guess without giving much away, um, uh, what sort of circus acts are, are in this show? Well, we uh, we wanted to do different acts this time. Everybody has seen us do the straight silks and everybody has seen the rope and the hoop and the trapeze. So really we're not doing that. We do have, like I said, lots of red silk in the beginning, but um, there's some different things that we're doing with it. And the only straight silks that we're doing is done by um, an acrobat from Toronto and he has a completely different style on it than any of us females mm. from Edmonton. And uh, uh, then we've got some flying things that are happening. We've got a couple of winches that we're using in the show. So it enables us to do more lifting and moving around the room than we, than we ordinarily can do. But we've got balls and poles and... Rolling globes, you mean? Yeah, well, that's yeah. what I mean by balls. Yeah, I know. Rolling globes. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and we've got a flying pole, which I'm so excited about the flying pole. I saw a flying pole in a show two years ago and in Montreal, and it was a company from England, and I had never seen a flying pole before, and I just fell in love. And I just said, we're getting one. I don't know what we're going to do on it. <laughs> I don't know how to use it, but we're getting one, and it's going in the show. Yeah. What's the what's the process like? I guess when you when you discover something like that and know you want to incorporate it, of of getting it and learning to use it. Normally, in a normal world, in, a, in like you would you would seek out somebody to 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 build it where one of those comes from, and then you would find a a coach who could teach somebody, you. Somebody who knows something so, about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> but being that there um, aren't any of those people in Edmonton, we had to figure it out, figure a lot of it out for ourselves. Um, so we had one made. And we brought in someone from Toronto uh, to do a workshop and teach us a bit of, on how to use one. Mm. And then um, we actually brought in an acrobat from San Francisco who does Chinese pole, which is not flying pole. Chinese pole is fixed. Okay. So he's a Chinese pole performer, and we've been playing around with what he can do that translates onto a moving pole and then <laughs> it's his first time on it yeah it is so he's it been act he's kind of wigged out by it a little bit <laughs> there was a couple of things where he was doing something and he was like whoa <laughs> had to come off and start so, again 
for mm. so this with this flying pole, I knew I wanted it in the show, and um, we basically the whole second scene in the mind is an adventure scene, um, and and that was honestly created around the idea of having this pole in the show and the thing is it's steel and it's 20 feet long and it swings through the air and if it hits you you're going down like <laughs> you're going down and so the idea is to have john trying to get something and or the doctor and then the mind monkeys trying to keep it away from him and he's got to run around through this crazy steel spinning pole and not get clocked right which is, and how's that been, John? Uh, it's been, I've, uh, I've yet to be clocked. Great. Knock on whatever Knock this on, is. Knock on carpet. Soft stuff. <laughs> <laughs> My brain. Right. Um, anything you guys want to add? I'm so excited. To, I'm so excited about this show. Like when, uh, as as we've been creating it, uh, it's been so much fun to to put it together. And uh, and dig away at the script and joke improve. I mean, you know, so many people get this experience all the time, but I I don't get this very often, of, of being so close to the creation of something from the ground up, and it's super exciting. Um, and the best part of it is is hitting story points that we're like, well, I don't know. I hope this does the bit that we want it to do, and then as we play through it, it's it really it still gets me, you know, and it's still, it's still, and I, it, I can really sense where it's going to go. And I, I'm just, I feel so positive about it right now. So it's just a great experience. And we're, we're really, we're having a ball doing it. That's the best part. We're all having such a good time working on it and working hard and, and still having a lot of fun. And, and Annie and I are treating each other well doing it, too. So we haven't been fighting. (laughs) We haven't come to blows yet. It's really good because I'm the director, so I just tell him what to do, and he does it. It's awesome. We're getting along great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally behind her back going, oh, can you believe what she said, man? Something that uh, uh, really is important to me and and, and gets me kind of of pretty fired up is that the way that we incorporate circus and theater, fuse circus and theater, is so different than what I see other people do Hmm. and uh, nobody in the world knows what we do because we live in Edmonton, Alberta, nobody sees what we do, but we're really pushing the boundaries of this hybrid of circus and theater and this show pushes it even further into this this realm that I, I like again I've never seen it before so I think it's a pretty um, unusual uh, production that we're going to unveil and it's a Made in Edmonton production. Great. Mm. Great. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I like this fort. Awesome. The I Don't Get It podcast is recorded under a table in a blanket fort in an apartment in Edmonton, Alberta. It was recorded and edited by Andrew Paul. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more about Ghibli at ghibli.bandcamp.com.